to myself again But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past Good evening. Welcome to NUFC Matters. It is Friday night. Well, it's not actually. It's Thursday, but it's Friday oh. night to us. And it's, <laughs> sorry, it's another pre-record, but uh, I had to get away uh, today and uh, go and do something. So, uh, unfortunately, it's a pre-record. But as always, plenty to talk about uh, as regards Newcastle United and uh, plenty to share with you, including some uh, some lookalikes, which I think uh, people start to enjoy more and more. Uh, we'll have Tweet of the Week, we've got Troll of the Week, got all your usual favourites. And, uh, of course, we have the T-shirt uh, to finish off tonight, the uh, I Believe in Ben T-shirt. Ben, it's imminent. Uh, get your bids in for that on my Twitter, at Steve Wraith. Uh, that will be finished tonight and... Uh, by the time it gets to half past seven, we will have a winner and I will announce it. Uh, so uh, please get bidding on that. We will also have the Q-Tech competition a little bit later. I'll give you a final clue and then you give us the answer in the live chat. And John from Q-Tech will pick the winner. And uh, just in case I forget, don't, don't forget that the uh, the match day bucket is still ongoing. Come on, England, NUFC fans, foodbank.co.uk, uh, England into the quarterfinals. And, uh, of course, that match day bucket is still raising much-needed funds for the West End Food Bank. So, please, uh, give generously. So let's start with that, Keith. Uh, is it coming home, mate? What a, what a week. I mean, he's still getting criticised, Southgate, but, uh, uh, you know, we'll beat the Germans. Ah, that was brilliant. I mean, I had a great night. Um, I, the, the first match was special because I went with Mickey Edmondson across to the Hardwick with yeah. 1,200 people. Um, but the, the last game, I went to the pub um, and I was surprised uh, when, when the game kicked off. I saw, I thought it was going so sideways and backwards at the start. By half time, I wasn't feeling confident. Um, but I kept saying, you know, we'll never have a better chance. You know, they were there for the taking. Um, I was begging Kane to score because I thought he was getting a lot of stick. Um, Stones had a lot of stick. And I just, I just, I just loved it. I mean, I mean, if if you can't enjoy beating Germany in any competition, like what can you get up for? So when you look at it and you look at the route through the quarterfinals, it's like we said to Steve yesterday. I was ignoring them, and you're back to Wembley for the semis and the final. I mean, this this must be a massive opportunity because Italy's proven that they're debatable. My team Holland went out. That that was for me made in lives in Utrecht. Um, but all along, there's only one team, any all the four was wanted to win, which is uh, England. And uh, I thought, uh, towards the end, uh, I, I just, if that goal had gone in from Muller, if he'd scored that goal, it, it was, you know, like when you when you look at the, the chance he had, I mean, he, he tried to pass it in the net and he missed a pass in the bottom corner. And that could have changed things. But I don't know. I just, I, I, think, I think we're even better than that. I don't think that was England at its best. And I think if England, compete more and and move the ball forward more in the early stages than back, you know, what's to say we can't win it? Um I know it'll be a great it'll be a great summer if we get that in the takeover. But um you know I said I did tweet the other day just to say, you know, dare we dream? Because uh I know I'd rather have I could only have one I'd have the takeover, but um for starters for ten I'll have England win the Euros. I've never won them before. So Steve, we won the group. We've won the group. We're, you know, we haven't conceded a goal in the competition yet. We've beat the Germans, and still people are criticising Gareth Southgate, yeah. his tactics, the players, um, his selection, whatever. 
Um, is this just a disease amongst football fans? Yeah, of course it is. You know what? We're playing ourselves into the competition. That's what we've done. We've see, we've 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 heard that phrase used many many times about the Germans, about the French, about the Dutch. You know, they play themselves into the tournament. They start off slow. They build up. They they don't lose, but they don't exactly set the world on fire. And then when it comes to the crunch, when it comes to the knockout stages, then all of a sudden they step up a gear or they step up two. At the moment, we've stepped up maybe half a gear, but that's all we had to do against the Germans because the Germans were not very good either. Um, if if we're going to criticise anything, then it would be the, the 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 manner in which we're playing very very slowly for for sections of the game. Keep mentioned sideways passing and stuff like that. Um, we had a conversation about it on I think it was Tuesday, wasn't it, Keith? Where we, where we had a call about about what we thought about. Tuesday, how- yeah. Not- uh, Tuesday or Wednesday, I can't remember. It was Wednesday, wasn't it? It was straight after the match. Wednesday, Wednesday yeah, afternoon. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I think we were both of the same mindset that we're playing, we're, we're playing within ourselves, but we've got so much more to come, or so it appears. And we've got to give credit to Southgate because he set his stall out, he set his team up, he's got a way that he wants with to play. He's made with tough through what is now four games in, in terms of, of how we're playing at the back. Um, yes, there was one or two little little occasions where the opposition could have, if they had look on their side and, and a decent a decent striker or someone on form, because Muller hasn't been on form, who could have put that ball in the net. Um, but to be perfectly honest, when I saw them line up with Muller, with Werner on one side and 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 Havertz on the other, I thought to myself, this. This is this is there. You know, this this back five shouldn't be worried. And I was encouraged as the second half went on, where we saw our fullbacks, who I was screaming, our wing backs as we're calling them now. Uh, I was screaming them for to be pushing on a bit, and I thought they were given too much room. And we talked about the tactics that the Germans have used in the past, um, especially against when they played Portugal earlier. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm like everybody else, just delighted. The main thing is you win; it's a knockout. You've got to win the game, and that's what we did. And we're moving on, and we're going to be we're go- we're going into an exciting weekend, uh, an eight o'clock kickoff, and no doubt some people will be on the drink from eleven or even earlier. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, it won't be me, by the way. But uh, no, great. It's it, it's what we need. It's what the country needs at the moment. Yeah, definitely. The feel-good factor, uh, and I'm sure you're feeling it out there as well um, at your local Goodfellas bar, Mitch. Aye. Well, it was interesting. You know, I, I picked up on something beforehand in the head of our game. I put something on Twitter about, well, hang on a minute. How well did the Czechs play and how well did the Croats play? And they looked nothing like that against us. Yeah, And they really didn't. Mm. And I think because it takes two teams to play a game of football and sometimes... One team will just neutralise what's in front of them. We haven't conceded a goal. Steve's right. We only have to step up a gear. There's more in the tank. There's absolutely more in that tank. There's no doubt about that. And the way the knockouts worked out now, that route to the final is the best chance Mm. that England probably will get in a long, long time at either Euros or at World Cup to at at least progress to the final. Yeah. Before we start getting carried away about winning it, just to progress to the final would be a major achievement. Because um, I don't think we've ever done that in the Euros. She so, said that. She yeah. said it's the best chance ever. And, and, and you look at the pathway, you look at the, the, the other, we've got the Ukrainians coming up, and then the winner of the other game, we've already seen the Czechs often look comfortable doing it. So you start to genuinely think, okay, there's, there's possibilities here. 
I mean, the, the thing you put up with over here, it's quite strange because, I mean, is is the British in general are looked at favourably in the UAE going back at times of the trucial states and all that. But there are certain other nationalities out here who either have issues with us colonising them in the past um, or or with ties to France and, and, and they will go anti-English. So like we're having the last World Cup in Goodfellas because it is an Indian hotel and it's generally an Indian bar, little groups of people who suddenly are popping up wearing Germany shirts and you think, well, wait, eh? And it's anybody but England, you know? Uh, and we had a little cluster of that again when we, we, we had some fun with some Colombian Indians in the World Cup the, the last time round, if I remember right. Um, but, you know, generally there is a feel-good factor out here within the British community or in the English community. Um, and, and within the British community, the Scots, Welsh and Irish, they're getting a little bit jittery because they can see what's potentials there, you know? Um, and so there's a lot of good humoured ribbon going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think there's more in the tank. We can play better. It was an interesting shift in formation from Southgate. It's, he's obviously going to go play teams for occasions and teams to play against other teams. And that might explain the way he wanted to pick the squad with degrees of flexibility in there. To, to, to choose multiple formations, using multiple players, sometimes in different positions. Um, and so, you know, my Southgate stock's gone up for me after that um, because you, you couldn't really fault it. Uh, and, and when that chance from Muller went away, that was, that was really the best chance of the game. Yeah. And, yeah. and once that was done... They looked done. They looked flat. They looked like, oh, oh we're going to get back into this. And by the time they'd sort of shook themselves out of that, we'd gone 2-0 up and that was game over. Um, and fair play to Sterling for putting in another goal. Um, everybody seems to be clamouring for him to be out the team. Um, but he's you, you can't drop him. You, you just can't. Simple as that. No matter what formation you're going to play, you've got to find a place for him in the team because he's on in form. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's feel good. Saturday should be should be fun. Um, even better having a German boss. Um, some interesting text messages going back and forth over the last few days. Um, You're fired. <laughs> I tell, tell you what, it's a good job. He, good job he didn't message us today because he could have got both barrels because I'm in a right one today. But uh, that's another matter. Um, brilliant, brilliant. Uh, okay. Okay, I'm going to read you uh, just part of a tweet, uh, Keith, uh, from Luke uh. Edwards, a, ju- a journalist, Luke Edwards. And um, I-, I just I discussed this on last night's show with Supermac and Gibbo, and I just think it's an interesting one for us, us to discuss. Ashley is not for the first time using the takeover as an excuse to do absolutely nothing. And you know what? He's getting away with it. He's been getting away with all things he's usually attacked for because he is, an in inverted commas, Fighting for the takeover. Obviously, he feels that we're getting played by Ashley. What do you think? What do I think myself? Yeah. Um, I think if he's if we're getting played, he spent a lot of millions in playing us. That's my first opinion. You got to remember when I first started this, the first thing I did, and then Mitch pulled us on it on this program and said, "You're the first bloke to knock on the door." I think Mitch's words were, instead of saying. 
we want you out. I think Mitch said, can I help you out? Can, can I keep the door open for you to get you out, out the place? So the first thing I did was to approach the buy-in side to see if there was appetite there to buy, because without the buyers, we've got nothing. And then if there's someone not willing to sell it, then we haven't got a deal. And before satisfying both of them, I then made me wait the competition people and we started to spend money. So um, Luke Edwards is a reporter. Um, you know, I, I've always had my doubts as to um, his motivations and his desire to not put Newcastle fans first and not put their thoughts first. But on this comment, he could be playing a popular opinion because there is a big anti-Ashley feeling around the club, around Newcastle United. But I think it's a shot that can be undermined by the amount of money spent because somebody once said to me you could do a competition action, let it be for action, for 500 quid. And I said, you know, somebody who says that is someone that's never been to the local solicitors in town in their lives. Because the days of spending 500 quid, you wouldn't get in your solicitor in Benwell High Street and get out for 500 quid. But when you talk about DeMarco, uh, Shahid Fatima, and people of that ilk, Danny Jowell, you're talking 12, 1500 pound an hour all day long. Um, and you're talking about people that's been employed. And I mean, I've been talking to these people now since the back end of last summer. So, so when you put those rates together, it totally undermines what this report is saying because what he's suggesting is that Mike Ashley's playing fans, but he's spending millions and millions of pounds in doing it. There's, there's several things going on, and people have brought out the old chestnut that Mike Ashley's doing it for money. Well, of course he's doing it for money. I mean, every, every uh, commercial activity he does is money-orientated. It's with money gain. But don't knock me for that because you don't become a billionaire overnight. And I've worked with a family of billionaires before. And you don't get to their position if you're not driven by money. It's as simple as that. There's, there's no billionaires in the world who aren't money-orientated. No, not any. And if they, if they aren't, they wouldn't be there. What they would do is you'll find people that's worth two and 300 million. There's a guy um, in Bishop Auckland called Ruffer. And what he's done, he's made a few hundred million, but what he's doing, he tends to be giving it away. And that's what people do. A lot of people get the stage in life where they think, well, how much do I need? How much can I spend? And the interest of that fund and that fund is sufficient for me. And they start giving it away. But a billionaire is a different breed of people where they've got a billion and that's not enough and they want two. And when they get two, they want five. And if you look at the figures that came out about the Rubens, about Mike Ashley through COVID, they were some of the most successful billionaires there was. And, and it's, it's not an excuse or it's not a, a, a sort of an accident that the Rubens are worth about 40% more than Abramovich and they're the second richest family in the country. When they go out and you go out, you go out and say where we're going to drink, where we're going to eat, where we're going to go on holiday, and you think of what you're going to spend. And then people, and I've worked with them kind of people, um, have a fastidious um, demeanour where all the time what they're trying to do is think, how can we make more? And how can we turn this into something? And how can we move cash into it? So I think Luke Edwards is sorely um, undermining Mike Ashley's ability to make money. And, and the only thing he'll be doing at this moment in time is, if, if all he wants to do is just make some money, there are other ways to do it. But you wouldn't spend 
you know, seven figures on competition actions if you were just going to go at the arbitration. Now, I think that the, that the competition action will, if it, if it was to run, will get held up and pulled. Um, it depends the results of the first two cases. It depends what happens at the arbitration and what the competition is looking like. But it's always been expected that the, competition, that the arbitration, if it's going our way, could collapse both cases and could settle it up. And there will definitely be monies involved in Mike Ashley's favour. Compensation, COVID losses, all this will come to the equation. But you've got to stop for five minutes and just look at the legals. The legals are so great, so big, that he isn't winding fans up as priority number one, two or three. If you'd said to me what you think his priorities are, I would say to get the maximum bid for the club, which is 300 plus million. I don't think anybody but PIF will give him that money. Second thing is to get a lot of compensation. And the third thing is, I think it's a personal thing against the Premier League for the way it's being tread. It's to, it's to recover time that's been lost. The losses of 12 months, when it should have been passed in April last year. Mm. I mean, Steve, I mean, you know, lots of things fly around social media. A lot of it's, you know, rubbish. Um, a lot of it's just speculation. People claiming they're in the know. We've seen it for for years and years uh, uh, since Twitter came about as a as a major platform. Um, but you know, it, it's it's just dragging on again. And, and I know we can see some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. And it's either the light to a bright new place, which is what we've preached for the last. Uh, you know, 12 months, or it is a train hurtling towards us, you know, with yeah. Mike Ashley and Steve Bruce on it for the next couple of years. So, I mean, you know, it, it it's just, it's so difficult, isn't it, to tell people not to get too carried away and not to get too disheartened, just to wait and see what happens, I guess. But what, what what's your take on what Luke's saying, that Mike Ashley's playing us and that this is all going to be very much like a, I don't know, like the, the reveal of the villain uh, you know, at the end of Scooby Doo, you know, like it's a, it's it's a, it's a horrendous moment where you know we think it's Amanda Stavely standing there in a dress with a blonde with a blonde hair, and then phew, it's Mike Ashley going, "Ha ha!" It was you know I'm staying here for the rest of you know the rest of me life kind of thing. You know what it is? It's it it's a it's it's a kind of one dimensional view on the situation, isn't it? it? He's looking at it. He's looking at it. Down that tunnel of what would the fans want to hear? Where are we? It's the it's the first second of July. There's no nobody's come in in terms of transfers. We haven't got a we haven't got a kit supplier. Lots and lots of things that are rolling through that that some fans are desperate to know about. I, I couldn't care less until it's the start of the season. To be perfectly honest, and the season starts and I see what the kit is or I see who's actually lined up in the first eleven. All of that type of thing, you know. But. You know that that yes, people. There's certain people want to know. They want to know what's going on. That you know the club is their life. And and Luke's putting out a, a, a theory, or he's putting out a, a synopsis that he feels as though Mike Ashley's playing the fans. Um, it's a it's it's a dangerous game to go down actually because it can very very quickly be dispelled or disproved. Um, and it, and if the takeover happens or doesn't happen, either way, that the the consequences are going to disprove it anyway. Um. But I, I understand where he's coming from, and, and I understand why he's why he's probably come out with a statement that he has, um, and it and it keeps the column inches going, it keeps the clicks going, it it, it keeps the 
it keeps his name uh, going forward. It keeps those who have, have been very much in his sort of camp, uh, who follow his newspaper or follow his articles and 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 appreciate what what he what he says and does. It keeps them happy. It keeps it keeps the dialogue going. It's all part of a game that that's been played out. It, it we've always said at the end of the day that the the, the thing is the way, the way I look at it, Steve. All the shouting and all the calling that we've done, all the all the all the conversations that we've had, um, all the pressure that's been played and and put out there towards the Premier League, towards Masters, towards Hoffman, uh, the pressure that's been placed on on PIF and Stavely and the Ruben brothers and so on and so forth, the pressure that's been placed on the on the you know the the, the discussions about who should be on the arbitration panel, who shouldn't be. At the end of the day. That's that's finished now because it's in the hands of it's in the hands of the tribunal for cat and it's in the hands of the arbitration panel and all the shouting and all the talking that we can do isn't going to convince them. The only people who can convince them are the legals, the people who are putting the case together, the people who are going to present the case, and the people who are going to hopefully win the case on behalf of Newcastle United, which means on behalf of Mike Ashley, <laughs> because Newcastle United and Mike Ashley are the two same things and and. For the first time, we're we're sitting in a camp with Mike Ashley going, "Mate, you want to go? We want you to go. You want to go? We're all in this together. We're, we're you know we're all fighting for the same thing. We can't do any more. You know the fans can't do any more. It as I say, it's 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 Demarco, it's it's Shahid Fatima, it's Jarrett on the other case, and 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 we've just got to sit and wait. But unfortunately, it's the waiting that's killing us. It's that it's that delay that it, the whole thing because. I think Keith's mentioned on many occasions. You know, this could have this could have been cleared up. Um, we had a, we had a conversation early earlier on about, uh, with with one or two people about well, why haven't the Rubens come in and just bought it because you know, as yeah. Keith just explained all the money that the Rubens have got. Well, that's not what they're there. The Rubens aren't there to spend money. The Rubens are there to make money. Make money. <laughs> as Keith just explained, what billionaires do, they might speculate to accumulate, but they're 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 in it. You know, the, the, their business plan will be for, you know, three, five, seven, nine years, but it's to make money. And it's to make money not necessarily out of Newcastle United, but on the back of Newcastle United. That's the way I look at it, um, because it's the kudos and it's what it brings and what, it, you know, being linked to Newcastle United. We saw with, with Sir John Hall and we saw with many other people who got involved with the uh, takeover of, of Newcastle United back in the, in the, the early 90s and late 80s, what it meant to their company, what it meant to... to to the guy, the guys down the big market, you know what it meant to, to his pubs, everything, you know what it. This, this is it's the kudos, which is anything that people get off on. So, I, I just look at it and think, God, just let's get this over with, get the court case done, get it settled. Hopefully, it, it gets settled the way that we all want it to be settled, yeah. and then the football club can, can move on. And if if there's one thing that probably is upsetting fans. It, more than anything, it's the lack of anything happening in the transfer market. And other than Man United, there's nobody buying anybody anyway. So, you know, we just got we let's let's concentrate on the Euros, get the Euros out of the way, hope that the court case is is, is flying through, uh, and we'll see where we are in the middle of July. Yeah, the, I mean, the, look, the Euros is going to affect it. Um, what we've, you know, what we've seen is a managerial money go around, um, and, 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 you know, we will see. A player money go around once, you know, once Euros is over, and you know that the Harry Kane deal will certainly catapult things 
as I'm sure Jack Grealish's deal will. If he, if he you know, if the, if, if the rumours are that they're both going to end up at Man City, things will start moving and turning. And a manager's been in place, you know, Benitez at, at, at Everton, um, of course, and, uh, you know, Nunez, Nunez at, uh, at Tottenham now, and there's more to come, I'm sure. You know, players will start moving. So, uh, you know, Maybe he's not getting too carried away as a Newcastle fan yet. Um, you know, we might not miss the boat. It just depends on how long things take. And um, as I say, takeover goes through. Hopefully, we, we don't miss the boat on some big players. Takeover doesn't go through. Let's hope we get some players in. Um, it's as simple as that. Mitch, uh, just just really rounding off on the um, yeah. on the Luke Edwards story. I, I mean, think, um, I, think that, I think there's probably three things worth, worth mentioning at this point. But one... Where he claims about using the takeover again, like he always does. Right. Well, we've got figures, fact, that say he's put no money in the club over a 10 year period and we've had 7 million capex. So, if takeover's been used maybe three times in those 10 years, what about the other seven? Mm-hmm. What about the other seven? Even though we know, because us three, certainly, you, you Steve, and you, Steve, between us, we've probably talked about five or six different groups who've had an interest in Newcastle United. We've, we've spoke openly on here about how many statements of interest to get every month. There's always interest in Newcastle United, be that for personal kudos or genuine interest. So to say he always hides behind the takeover is, is totally untrue. He doesn't. What did he do in the other years? And then the next thing, it, it, he then sort of alludes to that. And a lot of people use this is that he's not a willing seller. He's a very willing seller, but it's always on his terms. And that's a very subtle but important difference. He's not a desperate seller. He's he's just a difficult seller. He wants to feel like he's walked away with a big win on his terms every time. That's the only way to deal with him. Anybody who thinks they can deal with him, and I can name one individual in particular that was connected to the Zayed Group, who thought he could deal with that Mike Ashley because he'd sold him something once. Selling him something is entirely different to buying something off him. And if you look at that in his business empire, that stands across the board. So if you think you've sold him something means you can deal with him, rubbish. You've probably been played, mate. The third thing that's worth mentioning is I hear people saying, oh, he's only going for 300 million compensation. The compensation you'll get is not 300 million. The compensation you would get is the difference between the value of the asset now and his agreed selling price of 320 million. Now, this is something that could also play in the buyer's hands because the buyers could turn around and say, well, I'm only going to give you 230 million now because of COVID losses and dodgy, dodgy, da. So then he would get the difference made up. The potential buyers get the club at a reduced price. And everybody walks away happy, except the Premier League. And so you're using semantics to paint a certain picture of where everything's at and where everybody's coming from. But it's just not true. And and, and the difficulty is, is as a fan base, we're so emotionally invested in this. As we, Steve and I were talking earlier about how entrenched everything has become, going back to the days when we... We we gate crashed that fans forum meeting with group members of the Castle United Supporters Club, and we had the Derek Lambias incident at the next meeting where he got all red faced and poked me in the chest and all of that stuff we've talked about before. Um, things have become so entrenched; it's difficult for the fan base to trust the club. Why sh- why should we? Why can we? But it works in reverse as well. The, 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 there's a total trust breakdown. 
And so I can see why people get so head up about it because of the high levels of emotion and the emotional investment we all have in the club. Um, I would love nothing more than to get that man out. But getting him out in this process, the frustration is we'll have no control over the timing. And we are in limbo and it's frustrating as hell. But the, what I hear, and I don't know what you guys are hearing from people within the club and, and good good friends and contacts that we'll have scattered around, is that Ashley's behaving in a very different way this time in terms of he genuinely believes he's washing his hands of it all and it will be off his hands very soon. And so from what I hear, his behaviour in and around the club is very different also. And that reflects the level of confidence on his side. But he still remains a very difficult seller. And he wants it on his terms. Yes, he wants his compensation because the asset's been damaged by the delay. To support you, Mick, what you just what you just said there is very valid. The the feedback I've been getting that Mike Ashley is more bothered about putting a message out to the media and he's more bothered about pinning his colours down, saying, I'm gonna get this and I'm gonna win this. And a lot of the optimism's coming from him. But there's three things you've got to ask yourself to, to close this argument off. If it was true, what Luke's saying, then when you lost 10,000 fans you know, not so long ago and you gave them mm -hmm. tickets away, then you put COVID on the back of that where fans have lost the habit of going to the football game and obviously yeah. the wives have found, you know, I'm being chauvinistic there, but, but wives said, well, well, we'll spend money on the garden. We'll have a, some people's got caravans, for example. And that's going to take some people away from going to the football match every week. So I think you've got 10,000 and then the COVID impact and then the, the yep. loss of habit. So do you really think that Mike Ashley would want to take that risk? Second question, do you think Mike Ashley believes that this fan base would tolerate another 12 months of Steve Bruce after the last 12 months? Because I'm not too sure that he does. And the third thing is, which, which we've omitted to say is, and somebody brought it to my attention. When Luke did this uh, press article, Steve, I think somewhere for the first time ever, he wrote, if it goes through, if. and he's never done that before. Usually he says it won't go through, it's never going through, because that's been the Luke Edwards stance on it. He's, he's always been the one that guy wants to say, yeah. I told you so. And what he wrote on that tweet was, if it goes through, which was a massive movement by him. So for me, I don't think actually is naive enough to think that the fans are going to buy another year to, uh, uh, with, with, with Steve Bruce. But more so, I think half the fan base is starting to say they've had enough I'm, in numbers for I, with the feet. I believe he's stubborn and he's hard-headed, but I don't believe he's stupid. Neither do I. And, and, and I think he is. I think he's... I mean, Steve Wraith, you'll confirm this, we, we spoke about it um, a few days ago, is, is that he's very bullish... And when he decided to announce that he was taking them on in the competition action, he was very upbeat and he wanted to do that press himself. Yeah. Now, not, normally, yeah. he's never wanted to do that. And at one stage, uh, you know, you can talk to Liam and Liam will tell you later, we were going to put that out. That was coming to, you know, me and Liam were going to put that story out with it all written. But at the end, Mike actually wanted to do it. And that's why he mentioned the dark, was it what he said? The dark, dark forces. Dark forces. <laughs> and that, that wasn't a typical Mike Ashley statement. So I've got to say it, yeah. I'm supporting Steve Rape will confirm what I said there that, um, that, that that he is going around being more bullish and more 
determined to, to take the Premier League on and get his day and beat them. But what Mitch has said, I, I support fully, is that the guy isn't stupid and he is, he is acting differently at the moment. And he's not acting like a guy who is taking the pee out the fans to stay on through the 12 month. He's acting like a guy, as Mitch says, who's saying, I'm out of here. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think you're right. And I think that that's why, in a lot of ways, I've been very confident, you know. I mean, look, Luke was always going to have an opinion. He's a journalist. Yeah. Um, he has his contacts. Yeah. And, and that, you know, that it's not having a dig at him. It's, it, but no, it's, it's quite a really controversial, not. it is quite a controversial thing to say. And uh, he sticks his head above the parapet on the other side. So I have invited him on the show. Um, he did say that he would consider coming on before the start of the new season. So I will throw that invitation out to him again. I think it would be good if he came on this show. I do think it would be um, a Friday night would be a good one to get him on. Um, and, and like Ben Jacobs would treat him with the respect that, um, you know, that his craft deserves because it's not easy being a journalist. But but um, like everybody who comes on this show, it would be nice to, to, you know, I wouldn't say we hold him to account. He can hold us to account as well. He can say, why the hell have you been so positive for the last 12 months and we're still no further forward? And I'm, I'm sure, you know, we'll answer the questions. But be nice to get him on. Luke, the offer's there. Please consider it. Um, you know, we have I have offered you by text. I know you said you'd get, you, you, you would try and get on before the start of the season. So it'd be nice to get you on. Let's see whether we can... Uh, whether we can make that happen. Rafa Benitez, uh, Keith, I'll come back to you on that, Keith. Rafa Benitez, I mean, we've got to put this to bed and we'll put it to bed with Malcolm and Gibbo last night. My view, uh, I, you know, is 100% that he just didn't and couldn't wait any longer. No. The guy wants to be a, a football manager. He wants to be back on the training ground. He, he wants to be working in the UK. And, of course, like everybody in that profession, he wants to be well paid. So it, it was it wasn't rocket science. And my understanding after speaking to his agent, um, you know, when I heard that it was more than likely that he would take the job was that, you know, I can't really wait any longer. And and he had a valid point because this time last year, when when the China the China job had gone gone for a burden, COVID was hitting hitting home and you know, we were all going to be staying at home for 12 months. Um, he was told then that, you know, the takeover wasn't far away. And, and, you know, like we all were, like we all believed at one stage. But, you know, I think that was probably Rafa's argument in the sense that when the Everton job came along and he was probably told, well, you know, the takeover could only be five or six weeks away, he will have just turned around and gone, well, that's what you told us 12 months ago and we're still sitting in the same boat. So my feeling is that, He's just took a job because he's desperate for a job, Keith. And it's a gamble, like everything. And he could be right. Takeover could collapse. He could have missed out on the Everton job. And uh, he could be sitting at home scratching his scratching his head, thinking, I wish I'd took that bloody Everton job. So it's football. It's the way it goes. We have to really now park Rafa Benitez in the history books alongside Sir Bobby, Kevin Keegan, Joe Harvey, all those managers who we had a bit of love for. On the 5th of August, I wrote to Richard Masters and told him that he should take competition serious. And if he didn't, there's a chance the fans would come back at him and have a pop. Um, I didn't think it would be me. And if someone had said to me in writing that letter that you'd be sat the July following and you would still be sitting waiting for something to happen, I'm not too sure I would have done it because, you know, a, a year in anybody's life is a long time. 
I'm just an ordinary bloke on the streets. But when you say you're Rafa Benitez, you're probably in the top 10 managers in the world, without any doubt. And you, some people would say top five. And you've got reputation at stake. You've just had a stint in China. It hasn't gone exactly as you wanted it to go. Um, things have changed. Um, your skill set is obviously in European football. Um, you've got some people that you've introduced to Newcastle United in the consortium that you've got an affinity with. So you want to go with them. And I once put a tweet out when somebody said, Rafa's going to Everton, and I put bullshit because... There's no way that was his first pick. And, and I'm happy to say that. And you, you three are back as to say that Rafa Benitez was very much the choice of the consortium and he, and he wanted to come back and do the job he, want, he started in Newcastle. That's, there's no doubt in that. And we all felt that way. But time, time changes a lot of things. Time mellows us. Time makes us reflect. And Rafa Benitez coming back will have had as much time off as he needed. You know, and he, he posted all those pictures of his dogs. And then all of a sudden, the season's coming. The Euros are coming to its close. These so-called players that will move on three- and five-year contracts, then they'll be gone, will have moved. So all his, his whole scouting network will have done their homework, we believe, for a project in Newcastle, which hasn't happened. And he'll have spoken to the buyers, and it's not their club to sell. So when he speaks to his contacts in the consortium, they will rightly turn around and say, Raphael, we want you, but we still haven't got the club. And if he says when, they'll say, I don't know, and they can't say anything else. Um, if you spoke to the club through the last few months, they don't know either. That's why when fans are posting out saying it's happening on the 2nd of February or it's happening on the 14th of June, it, it, it is guesswork. And, and if the club don't know and Amanda Murdad can't give Rafa a date, you can see the frustration. Rafa Benitez is a human being and he turns around and thinks, well, this is right on my doorstep. I'll get home on a night. You know, it's, it's a completely different scenario. It's back to the Liverpool kind of scenario. And yes, it's, it's got risk in it. But such is that man's inner belief and his self-confidence. He'll believe he's the man that can work in the city of Mer work in the, the area of Merseyside, the city of Liverpool, and he'll think he's capable of winning both sets of fans over and winning silverware at both clubs. He's not a fool. He's, 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 he's one of the best around. So he will believe that he can do that project. There's other things at play. If the takeover comes at the level of PIF, there's nothing to say that they wouldn't put a bid in and take him out of there. But for me, I wanted Rafa. I thought it was unfinished business. I thought we owed him that deal. And I, was, I thought he was the best man to build the training ground and the project up and bring the right kind of people and players and backroom staff to Newcastle. However, he's gone now. And as Steve just said, I think we've got to look at Nagelsmann. I think we've got to look at Legro. I think we've got to look at um, uh, Zidane, Conti um, and, and people of that ilk, Pochettino. And I think we've got to sit there and say, you know, that that's in the past. You know, and, and, and you never say never, but I think he's gone now. And I think you make the decision. He shocked us. And I got criticised for saying he wasn't going. Then I was given information from impeccable source that said he's definitely speaking to Everton. And I got slaughtered because he wasn't going to Everton. And then when he went, people said, oh, Keith was right. And I got slaughtered again. So I learned from this to say, you know, sometimes you're best off just saying, I don't know anything. You know, but but what, what I do know is Rafa Benitez wanted to come to Newcastle. 
the consortium had him as first choice. Um, it didn't happen. I'm sorry for that. It's now time to move on. We've lost it. We, you know, lost that, and it, that's just the way life goes. Steve, Steve Rafa loves a challenge, doesn't he? I mean, you know, he comes to Newcastle, works for one of the worst, you know, the worst owners in our lifetime as, as Newcastle fans. And, you know, he, he wasn't exactly having a, a plain sailing es escapade at Liverpool, was he, with, with the owner? So we're in a situation now where he's, he's off to Everton and, and the fans don't want him. Yeah, yeah. I, some of the fans don't want him. The fans on social media apparently don't want him. Fans with spare bed sheets don't want them, but I think there'll be an awful lot of Everton fans now that they've got them. They'll be happy that they've got them. Um, if there's anyone Steve, to play, we should. Sorry, Neil. Steve, I'll tell you the fans I know in Dubai don't want them. I know that, and I know that, and I know the lad that you're talking about as well. well more than one, mate. More than more one. Than one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I spoke to the lads at the. You know, well, I haven't spoken to them physically, but I've had I've had comms with the the lads from the uh, the. the um, fan sport and food banks, and their you know their their opinion was we don't have an opinion on Rafa Benitez because he's not our manager. When he does become the manager, then we'll have an opinion, and that opinion will be based on how he performs on the football pitch and how the team performs and how we how he performs in the transfer market. Um, what I was going to say was that the, if there's anyone to blame then we've got to blame Zidane because until four weeks ago, there was no job at Everton because Ancelotti was embedded with Everton and he had a job to do. Zidane suddenly decides he doesn't want to be at Madrid. Madrid were quick off the mark and jumped in and and, and got Ancelotti. Uh, and then that was it. All bets were off. They started, you know, they started the merry-go-round, if you like, on the on the football scene. Um, obviously, the, the whole Tottenham situation... You know that that's we we suddenly saw Wolves no longer wanting wanting Nunes and we we obviously Mourinho had gone in before the cup final even um, and there was going to be a, a merry go round we knew was going to happen but I don't think any of us four weeks ago anticipated that that merry go round would have involved Ancelotti and Rafa Benitez if it it was only one of those two and it was Rafa Benitez and and tied into the to the takeover. Um, but as Keith, as Keith says, situations change, circumstances change. Rafa's been sitting since January back over in Liverpool with his house, walking his dogs and with his family. Uh, and then an opportunity comes up on the doorstep. And I, I know that he's, he's he lived up here for years and he, he his family have stayed in Liverpool since the day he was, he was started in Liverpool. Um even when he went to Napoli, even when he went to Madrid, even when he was at Chelsea, even when he was at Newcastle, the family was still embedded there. And now, for the first time, with the circumstances, there's an opportunity on his doorstep to take a job. And I'm sure that the family have had a had a an involvement in the decision making process. That you know, Rafa, you know, it's here. It's on your doorstep. Just take the job. That. They'll, they'll also be concerned, bearing in mind his age, bearing in mind his wife, COVID, travelling, not wanting. He's been in China where COVID started. You can imagine the wife being concerned and worried about all of that type of thing. All of these would have would have come up in conversation, just as they would if it was you or I, Steve, or Neil or Keith, if a job suddenly appeared and it was going to be in a foreign country and how the conversation you would have with your family on whether you should go or whether you should stay. So there's an awful lot that have come into play. And then, as Keith said, that conversation that was had, which with Newcastle, with the with the consortium and the and the buying side, well, we still haven't got the club. And you know as well as I do what Rafa's like. He's a football 
maniac, his 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 hands would be like that. He'd be scratching them continuously. You know, there'll be red raw because he'd be itching to get back into the game. And this is an opportunity for him to get back in the game. And I think when you heard the 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 Everton owner when he said that Rafa has has a, a, a database of 3,000 footballers on it for him to, to then get involved in pick and choose. We know, we know what, what's going on there. We know what, you know, that's the intensity of the man. It, it, if I remember rightly, there was a conversation where they said that in the evenings in Jesmond, where he lived, that all of his backroom staff were in the house watching DVDs and videos of, of of players and giving their opinion on players. And Rafa was constantly, the TV was constantly on only only football. And that's what these people did. They would have a meal, but they'll be watching a game. They'll be watching a player. They'll be assessing somebody. That's what that's what Rafa's like. That's the intensity, the football intensity. And as I say, you can imagine what it's been like for him not being involved yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Um, I wish him all the best. I wish him all the best. Um, I would. I wish he wasn't there, but I wish him all the best. I hope he's not successful, by the way, or he's not as successful as we are because it's Everton. It's not my club, you know. So now I couldn't give. I couldn't give two hoots about how well he does or how badly he does. It's it's move on. Good luck. Um, and we've, I mean, let's face it, all we've, what we've got as far as Rafa's concerned is those great memories that we had of the promotion season and the great times when once we got promoted and how he managed to keep her in the Premier League. And for that, we'll be eternally grateful. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, Neil, I mean, it, it's a surprise. It's disappointing. But um, as time's dragged on, you know, for me, I, I, you know, I just expected it. Yeah, and and there's a load of other factors involved in his decision. I'm sure, I'm sure the loss of Richard is a, is a big decision as well. Made him think about maybe being more at home. Um, it, 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 yeah, it's a long time, and for all of us, it's been a long time. And as a, and I don't think any of us could have thought some of the changes we've probably all been through in the last year with COVID and lockdown around the world. It's hit all of it in some interesting and strange and sometimes wonderful and sometimes not so wonderful ways. Um, but I think there's something going on at Everton Football Club, which is quite curious. And I think that, that there's some curious relationships happening within the club and then with the city and with the fan base. It suggests a divide in the boardroom between the Kenwright and the old school and Mishori and the new school. The way this was announced, it was sort of put out there on social media to test the water. How bad of a reaction have we had? Do we think we can still go through this? I'm led to believe from, again, speaking to lads, blue noses out here, um, that they had Martinez on the shortlist. And Martinez was the guy Mishori sacked when he came in as the owner. And that that's a curious thing going on. They've also got this odd relationship with the... The, the, the council in the city of Liverpool with the new ground, because apparently, yep, they've welcomed the new investment and that's all wonderful, but it's going to lose them certain special statuses and lose the city certain funding as well. And so again, that they're, they're, they're sort of pushing their boundaries with the city and the relationships with the city, a city that Rafa Benitez is, is invested in. A lot of the things that him and his wife have done with foundations and charity in that city has helped fans of both sets both red and blue. As well, you know Steve working with the lads at the the, the, the food bank down there. Yeah. And so there's a lot of quite complex and sort of edgy relationships going on with that within that football club. 
that suggests to me civil war. And that Rafa's been brought in with that. And he'll not give a monkey's about the reaction. He didn't at Chelsea and he won't there. You're right He's as well. There's also there's an added there's an added little attachment into that in the boardroom because there are an awful lot of fans, an awful lot of blue noses who are not Kenwright fans. No, so there's, that's right. there's, that, there's that new breed, or the, there's the, the new blood, if you like, in terms of the machinery. Um, but the, there is a there is a section that I've, I've n- have never ever taken to Kenwright um, yeah. or blame Kenwright for an awful lot of the problems that that Everton yes. had over the years. Um, a lot of them don't forgive him for the fact that they were going to move the club uh, way out into Kirby, I think it was, somewhere yes. like that. You know, now they've got yeah. the new ground and they're on the on the riverside again. You know, the, the fact that they were he was going to sell it and they were going to stick an Asda or a Tesco's or something like that on the on the no. plot. Um, all of those type of things. It's, Ken Wright is not the he, he, he's not the messiah. He hasn't just sold his little section and brought machinery no. in and he's still sitting there like sort of it's some sort of demigod over the top. He's not the he's not the popular man that that that, that it, perhaps he feels he is. There's all there's problem I know of problems that they have with the fans forum. The way that the, the way that the clubs ran the fans forum, the way that they've integrated or not integrated certain Four sections of the fan there's issues there. Um, there's issues with the fact that the that fans get voted on, but there's only certain people who are allowed or appear to be allowed to be voted on to it. Um, there's 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 all sorts of things happening at Everton um, among the fan base. Um, the good side of Everton fans is what they're doing with the food bank and the way that they work right. very very closely together with Liverpool, um, and they will continue to do that. And uh, Rafa, I'm sure will be will be getting involved in those type of, of things. In the same way, made a presence with, with with the fans on on Tyneside, um, as he does with lots of charities, and and as you say, is already embedded on 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 Merseyside with charities through his wife and through the foundation that they run. Yeah. So. It's 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 an interesting dynamic. You're absolutely it's, right. A very very interesting dynamic. Just strikes me as something that is either going to be amazing or it's going to be not a disaster, and I don't think it's going to be one anywhere in between of those things. Yeah, that's how it feels to me as an outsider, somebody outside looking in on it. You guys know I've never been fully on board the Rafa train going forward for us anyway, and I think the next thing for me. I would love to know the buying side or the potential buyers. Let's let's stick to that semantic. Um, have now got a clean slate, so I'd love to know. Well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go with this? And please, please, God, don't come to us with a jam- jumbled list of names taken off Wikipedia like Bin Zayed Group did to me and you. <laughs> Have a bloody idea about where you want to go with this. Can I Who say something, lads? Aye. Can I just say, I've just had a call and uh, at 8 o'clock tonight, um, the club will put a statement out uh, via Sky to say that um, the whole takeover and the whole process that this has been dealt with has been shambolic. Um, so the statement will go on to Sky where the club are just absolutely dissatisfied with the way the EPL has been handling this case. And um, me as NCSL, I'm just one fan, but I would urge any fans groups, I would urge okay. all the people. Here we go. Uh, break, well, I mean, it's not exactly breaking news because we're pre-recording the show, so this isn't ideal, but the okay. announcement... 
The announcement's just gone on onto Sky's website. Newcastle call for Premier League to end secretive takeover arbitration. Newcastle are unhappy at the lack of updates on their appeal to an arbitration panel over the rejected takeover by a Saudi-led consortium and believe the lawfulness of the Premier League's decision-making process is an issue. Newcastle have called on the Premier League to end the secretive nature of their takeover appeal, insisting they have nothing to hide. The club's potential sale to a consortium controlled by Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, PIF, is currently in the hands of an arbitration panel after the Premier League rejected the bid last year. Newcastle are unhappy at the lack of updates on the process and claim the Premier League is attempting to keep a separate appeal to the competition court secret. Two, while calling into question the lawfulness of its decision-making process. Newcastle have also cited the recent attempts of six Premier League clubs to create a European Super League as evidence for such significant decisions about futures of clubs to be done transparently in full public view. The club continues to receive requests for updates on its current arbitration claim against the Premier League EPL considering the lawfulness of the EPL's decisions regarding the proposed takeover of the club including PI, including involving the PIF, the club said on Thursday. Unfortunately, the club is unable to make any comment about the arbitration. The EPL rules provide the entire arbitration process is confidential. However, both parties can agree for it to be in public. The club believes it should be. The issues at stake include the lawfulness of the EPL's decision-making process and the widely publicised alleged influence of the EPL's commercial partners on the EPL's decisions are of far wider interest to other football clubs, fans and the public in general. The recent attempted breakaway by some EPL clubs, the reaction of the government and the public to it has again highlighted the need for transparency and fairness in football governance. Gone are the days when important decisions that affect clubs and their fans should be made secretly behind closed doors and away from the public eye. This club has nothing to hide with respect to the arbitration and invites the EPL to agree that it should no longer be held behind closed doors. If the EPL has acted lawfully and properly, it should have no reason to be afraid of the public spotlight. To date, the EPL has strongly resisted any public scrutiny of its decision-making process. It tried and failed to prevent the High Court judgment about elements of the arbitration being published last February. It is currently attempting to prevent the competition courts considering a claim by the club sellers from taking place in public arguing that two should be held in confidential arbitration. So, the club has invited the EPL to agree that, as the claim raises such important issues of sport governance, transparency and openness that it should be held in public, the club is prepared for every stage of the process to be in public. The public should be able to see the party's evidence and arguments, as well as the full decision of the tribunal when it is made. The government quite rightly threatened to intervene in reaction to the proposed breakaway from the EPL earlier this year and the reaction of football fans and the wider public was instrumental in stopping the emergence of the ESL. If the EPL continues to insist that the club's claim must be determined behind closed doors, the club asks that the MPs, the government, the media and the general public call on the EPL to finally accept public scrutiny of its decision-making process. Sky Sports News has contacted the Premier League for comment.
more to follow. So obviously, by the time the show goes out tomorrow, that will have rumbled through the, the corridors of the EPL, Keith. Um, what is your take on all of that, mate? Sorry about sorry to dip out there. I got a phone call which I had to leave, and you probably you can see there's things I cannot say and things I can. And I've explained it in the past that I've signed end of years, and this isn't about being in the know. It's about just getting a result. And um, the phone call I got there was just a ten, it came through at ten to eight. So if you check your times on this program, I got told at ten to eight tonight from the club that there was a message going out on Sky at eight o'clock. Well, you suddenly disappeared uh, and we could hear you, so I put you on mute because I thought, I wonder who he's talking to. But um, <laughs> right, so, I should have let, let you on. I should have let you on loud. Then, I, had, I, had a feeling it was, I had a feeling it was a call like that, the way you beetled off like Secret Squirrel. I hate like leaving it. I think it's like discourteous to the people who's going to watch this. It's discourteous you three for us to go. But when you see the name on your phone, you, you, Give there's, 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 but there's only, there's only, you know, I have one contact that they're dealt with throughout and um, they wouldn't ring us at eight o'clock at night um, when we, we speak during the day to, to do that. But what's, what's clearly happened is if you go through my tweets from sort of like October, November, December time when we were like kicking this away, I was begging people to take a competition action out. And, and really, you know, I'm not bothered who breaks the news that the, Takeovers happened. I'm, I'm not bothered about that at all. You can break it. Anybody can break it. That that's not what I'm here for. All I want to do is get hold up in the pub the day it goes through, have a few beers, and think. Well, as fans, we did everything we could. As my, as a fan, I did as much as I could. But throughout, if you look at my messages, they all centre on two things. I've always pressed for expediency to, to get the thing done without delay and transparency. And, if, and I, you could go and find probably 10 or 20 tweets of mine begging for transparency and, and, and for, for expedition of, it, of the case. And that's not just come from the club, that's come from some of the QC, some of the top legal people that's involved in this case. And um, throughout, there's always been two cases. So since, since before Christmas, there was always um, an arbitration case run by DeMarco and, and Fatima, and there was always a competition case. And I always felt that if the competition case ran first, you'd get enough dirt through disclosure that would crash both the cases. And I didn't get my way until April this year. And, and even now, you know, I, I fear that arbitration's got ahead of the anti-competition case. But in both cases, what they're trying to do is they're trying to stop um, football fans like us four and that, that's what this is all about. I mean, this, this show is just about football fans. And, and you were begging for information. And, and I say, forget the dates, because you all say, is it the second? And people said, it's the 28th of June. It's the 1st of June. It's the 7th of June. It's the 5th of June. It doesn't matter. What's happening is there's a story out there. And if it got out, if it, if it was put into writing, what I've seen and what is out there the takeover will go through. So when I say to you, because Steve Hasty and Mitch have said to me before, Keith, your enthusiasm rubs on us. Jed, Jed Hasty come down to our house one day. It was me and Steve and Jed sat for three hours. And they said to us, when we left, your enthusiasm passes on. But it's not just enthusiasm. It's not sort of misplaced optimism. It's, it's having read stuff. You think, I can't believe that they're still fighting this case. So today... What the club is, they've just had enough. 
The club is in, and, and it's completely stavery. It crashes through the point that Luke Edwards said. It does, and, and we couldn't have timed that any better, yeah, really. No, and, 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 and I think as well, I mean, my understanding of that now, then, is, and correct us if I'm wrong, Keith, yeah. this isn't my fault here at all, but surely that's now confirmation that the case management hearings next up for the for the this, the this cat case, yeah. and that the Premier League couldn't get it thrown out on jurisdiction. They're trying to get it thrown out. I said they'll never get it thrown out, and 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 just so you know, because because I know this in the north thing things keeps hovering around. If I talk to somebody and somebody says it won't get thrown out, I'll probably spoke to Robert Donahue and say, and spoke to him as a friend and said, you know, what's the chance of getting thrown out? And he'll say, Keith, that like the and I don't just speak to Robert. I speak to competition lawyers. And the message I get back from them is is when you are running a case, an arbitration case to criticise how people did the decision, which hinges on separation, that's got absolutely nothing to do with, with a competition action, which is saying you came together as a group of people and you colluded to stop somebody entering the market. They're completely different arguments. And it's like, it's like somebody going into Mitch's place and he gets his pliers out to say, I want a facelift. It's, it's two different bags. It's two different men. It's two different people. It's I love the <laughs> but, but the whole thing is what the club are saying to you now is we've had enough of these people and this yeah. the, the the club are telling you the fans to, to it's time it's time to do what i said to masters we would do back in august the 5th 2020 i said if you keep messing these people around they'll stand up they'll march they'll come at you and it's now time for the fans in your castle to realize that, that the club are adamant that this takeover will go through if it becomes public. Adamant. Not because they think there's a, a, a benefit in it. They just know there's a lot of dirty information that these fans need to know about. They need to know what's going on. And if you don't get the takeover, you need to know why. And I'm saying to you tonight, I'm one fan sitting in Durham. I'm a nobody. But some of you out there have the ability to get this public to promote it. Some of you have got 20, 30, 40,000 followers. And I'm saying, for God's sake, let's get this whole United fan base together. Let's use it tonight. Let's get the rallying call and accept yourself that if a, a reporter, an, an, a credible reporter, writes for the Telegraph, can say it, yeah, Mike Ashley is known for it. But I tell you what, they've just gone to Sky Sports, 8 o'clock tonight. The timing couldn't be better. I got the call at 10 to to say that it's going to go live on Sky. And what I've done is I've put two tweets out since I've been on this programme. One to say it's coming out. I put that out a couple of minutes to eight. And then one to say that's out now and it's now you people. So I'm sitting the fans in Newcastle tonight. Do everything you can now, whether you go to government, whether you lobby, whether you rally, everything you've ever done. And all you people that's rallied and hit websites and hit people, this case has to go public to get passed. If it gets public, it gets passed. There's, there's no support. If this goes public, you will get your takeover. If the Premier League stop it going public, you might not. That's all I'm going to say. Steve, I mean, it's groundbreaking story. I mean, this is the kind of story that hits on a Tuesday when Liam Kennedy's on. So for us, although it being a pre-record, we've, we've actually timed it better than we could have. Because if, if we'd done this on Friday, this uh, would have been yesterday's news. So, so, right, so actually, right. so this has but, worked out but, better. They could have been saying to Keith, oh, bullshit, you didn't get a bloody phone call. Man, 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 man. <laughs> you so saw the phone call, like. 
what do you reckon of that, Steve? I mean, it's a lot to take this in. Is, this, this, is, this is the frustration that we've had mm. as fans from the the silence that has come from the from the well how long have we waited we've waited since it was i think was it correct me if, I, if i'm wrong was it sometime in june that we expected to have a date there was the, the premier league asked for it, an extension they asked for more time they were given more time until the beginning of july um and all they were do, all that had happened was they'd been presented with a with a with a uh, a, a, a tribunal, a case at, at the at the competitions appeals tribunal. They've been presented with the fact that somebody was going to do this. They were asked for their opinion. They asked for a couple of weeks because they weren't prepared. They didn't get the exact time they wanted. And then since then, there's been total silence, total silence, which tells you that what they've done is they've they've come back with a with not a. Not, not, nothing that they can present the the, the appeals tribunal pe panel with, which is we're going to fight this. We want three week, three months, three years to set our case up or anything like that. What they've gone is they've gone in and they've gone. You know what? Um, we, we, we want to fight this, but we don't want to talk about it. We don't want it. We don't want to be public. They're more worried about it being in public than they are yeah. about what the outcome will be. So they're, they're, hiding, they're hiding behind that confidentiality, they're hiding behind the silence, they're hiding behind behind the fact that they want everything to be done by, behind closed doors. That's and Because they know that that's the only thing that they've got. Because they they also, their people know that this this is something that is supposed to happen in public. So they've they've set a stall out and gone, we don't want this in public. We want we want to keep all of this behind behind closed doors. And what Ashley's done is tonight, he's turned around and goes, you know what? I've heard all of this. They've had a fortnight. They've then sat, we've sat, we've heard nothing, we've heard nothing. Obviously, his people have heard something. They've heard, they've heard all the argument, they've heard what the Premier League are saying. They've had to have, but Ashley's gone and just gone ballistic and gone stuff it. Not it's not just park parking tanks on the on the lawn. I've got an an entire battalion here. I'm sticking everything on your lawn now. I've got yeah, everything pointed at you. you Every single ballistic missile that I have got in my armory is now pointed at you guys. And that mm -hmm. ballistic, all those ballistic missiles are. You've got to open up. This has got to be in public. This is it. And and that's what he's done. And he's he's because he's sick. And that like you say that that kind of. That fits in with the whole narrative that we've had, which is he's a he's not he's not just a willing seller now. He's a desperate seller. He wants out. He wants this done. He wants mm. this. He wants this done because he wants it to happen so that he can hand over the football club and then the football club can move on with new owners and hopefully new at a time when they can actually do something in the transfer market, do something with a manager, do something with backroom staff, do something with with. And, and get their plans and and get it started because they want they'll want to be wanting to go full in at the start of a football season because they won't want to have to wait till January. So Ashley's Ashley's handing that to them and going, I'm doing everything I can, every single thing I can. That's what this is all about. What even, Nick, even Nick DeMarco has tweeted tonight. Um, and normally it's something about bread, but he's putting Newcastle call for Premier League to end secretive nature of takeover arbitration, and he's just tweeted the Sky News article, and that, yep, it, that and and that is very interesting because that's showing exactly where we're at here. This is this is this is a this is a tanks on the lawn moment, but it's you know as you say, Steve, it's a battalion. Yeah. What it what it also is it it's also a frustration 
on all sides because it's happened the day after Raf has taken a job and they've gone, you know what, that's that's something else we've lost. You know, not only have you done that, but you've jeopardised everything. So the pressure may well have been coming from other sides as well. So everything falls in line that, that on both buyers and sellers' side, they're absolutely sick to death with the way that they've been treated by the Premier League. That's tell, it. Tell you, what it, tell you what it makes me wonder, though. There's something else happened today that pump might actually full of testosterone. Because that's that's the behaviour of somebody who believes he has his opponent over a barrel. If somebody's just messaged us, yeah. actually, well, was it when we're talking. Was it today, Mitch, by the way? Or yesterday, if we're talking about today being Friday? <laughs> Oh God! I where was he today? Where was he? To, where was he on Thursday? Was he in Newcastle by any chance? Yeah, he was, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> uh, he was. Yeah, aye. Mm. But no, I genuinely think as something happened today, that's that's got him like the gimp in Pulp Fiction, getting ready to go for it because somebody's bent over a barrel and tied up. Because frankly, that's the bullish behaviour of somebody you know. I've, I, I've got something it? here. Just add to what you were saying there. You, 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 you're all bang on the money. Um, all the way through when they've spoken to me, they've always, always, always stressed to me that if this came out in public, it would be over and done with. If you remember, I always remember talking to some lads from NUST, from the, from the Trust, and they said that when, um, when um, uh, Masters went to speak to them, he actually opened the meeting by saying that he would be happy to deal with this in public, he would happy to put the takeover. And what what Masters said to the people the trust was, if they, he'd been allowed to discuss uh, the takeover publicly, um, it would look better on the Premier League, and you would see why that they couldn't pass the takeover at Newcastle. Now, that in itself is as disingenuous as the whole process that took place between them, and what a PR exercise that was. But what the, the club have always said to me is. We need to get this expedited, which was obvious because we wanted a relegation was an issue. And then the close season, the transfer window, how long PIF would stay at the table. That's where expedition comes in. But the big thing the club's always pushed to me is that we need to get it to be transparent. And, and I, used to say, I used to say, why? Why do you want it to be transparent? They said, because if you knew all the things that had happened round about March and April and May and June, you know, it doesn't sit well. But what I've been involved with is is since August, September, October, November, December, and what I've seen is 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 um, written physical information, which which is just wrong. You know, it's just wholly wrong what's happening. And I think what Mike actually said you tonight isn't. I'm going to string the fans on. I think he's saying I'm prepared to spend even more money than I've already spent to get this takeover done. And I think he's. I honestly think he's putting an olive branch out. You know, I'm. I'm no mug. I'm no fool, and and I'm not somebody that buys stories off people. And if I spend, you know, five hundred pound or tens of thousands of pound, I do it with due diligence and I take care and I and I, and I, I've worked hard for my money, so I don't throw it away. And when somebody when I, somebody convinces me that they're a willing seller, willing buyer, I also want to go a stage further and find out have you got an argument that can win a case. And I don't think they've got one argument that we case. I think they've got three or four nailed-on arguments that I've seen myself and that I've used myself. But then I've seen that there's certain things happened in the process that is totally and wholly wrong. And if they get this out, if they get into public, I think the whole thing just collapses. 
I honestly think the whole thing just crumbles in a mess on the floor, and I think it becomes a settlement case. And what you were saying tonight about Mike Ashley, I think you're bang on right. I think you, I think Steve Steve Wraith mentioned it about a week ago. He said he said the feedback he's getting, you know, from, from from everybody involved in the takeover is that Mike Ashley is very bullish in the sense that he thinks he can do this deal. He isn't. He doesn't think the deal can't be done. He's adamant the deal can be done. But I think tonight Mike Ashley said, if it only becomes out there in public, if it runs, it would be highly unlikely. But if it does run, we smash it. We smash it to pieces. And I think yous have hit it tonight. You've just uh, Mitch has said there that 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 uh, I think I think he's I think he's had enough. I think he's I don't think he's had enough. He's going to pack in. Not on not on your Nelly. Is he going to pack in? He's going to throw. Remember. Billionaires don't chuck money away. They speculate, accumulate. He's going to throw more money at this. And, and, and what, what the club is saying to me and to you is fight, get this public, we get the takeover. I've never been more confident now that, that they're adamant that put it on the table, let, let, let people judge. Stick it out there. If you've got nothing to hide, I mean, why would the EPL not want the richest company in the world coming in to enhance football? and invest and make more competition for mm. all the teams. They only want it because they know the damage they'll do. They know that the success they'll create by that richest company coming in. And that's why they come up with all this bull about countries buying it, about this prince and that. It's all Poloni. And they haven't got arguments. And all they're going to do now is, I'll tell you, the EPL are just going to try and procrastinate. They're going to delay. Yes, the arbitration is listed for July for it to start running. And yes, the, the cat case isn't going to get thrown out. But get it on the table, we win. And we'll win sooner than you think if it goes on the table. You so, know what I was going to say there? I was going to say there, Keith. What, so you mentioned something there that, that, that is always stuck in my throat. And that was the fact that Richard Most has said at that particular get together that he had that he would love to have made all of this public and he wanted it out in public and for me that was the opportunity for to get it out in public and you know what it never it was never pushed by the fans oh. it was never oh. pushed by the group that particular group they never pushed it and in fact they if I'm if I'm perfect if, if I can I'm put hand on heart I think that they were trying to protect their relationship with Richard Masters at that particular point, the relationship they had with the Premier League, because they had a perfect opportunity to then galvanise the fan groups behind the fact that they were going to fight Richard Masters. The words that he used, which was he wanted a, he, he wanted to fight this in public, he wanted in public, and since then, everybody sat in their shell. And that's, that's the disappointing for me. But what Mike Ashley's done today is he's got a hold of that shell and he's smashed it with a massive, massive big hammer and he's gone, right, let's get it out there. Let's get the stench. What, what's <laughs> in that shell? Let's get the stench out there and let's, and let's find out what's really, really been going on. Because he's, he's leading the fans on, isn't he? But the same, yeah, questions, as, same questions as Steve Wraith gave them, ask Richard Masters, was poo-pooed. They were the wrong questions, wrong tone. But if they asked the question Steve Wraith put forward, they might have got it then, they might have got more progress then. 
Yeah, sadly, you know, I mean, that's something that's something that is something which will come out, I'm sure, in due course about Aye. you know, you know, the questions that we had, etc. But it's uh, yeah, interesting times. Okay, uh, one hour fifteen minutes in. What a classic that's been. Um, <laughs> couldn't have scripted that. Big thank you to Spider VPN, uh, one of our main sponsors for the last few months. Great bunch of lads down there, and uh, for all your internet protection, Google Spider VPN. They come up at the top of the search list, and they can protect your computer, your Mac. Keep all your passwords safe. Uh, just give you a general peace of mind on any household computer. So uh, Google Spider VPN and they are the boys to trust. Skipsandbins.com as well. They've been with us for the last couple of months. Staying again next month. Uh, telephone 0800 2545 Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go. Waste collection. And John. At qtechshop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls End, and the man who runs our NUFC Matters website, where you can buy your cult classic T-shirt, amongst other classics as well. Get yourself onto nufcmatters.com, and a big shout out to John from Jab, who designs all of our flyers. Please subscribe to the channel. Um, you have to have been a subscriber for at least a week to be able to comment these days. It is still free. Just click on the subscription button, which is the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner. Hit the thumbs up to like the video. It's very important for us. Click share to share to your social media. Drop into the comments box and drop us a message or just join the chat. If you're on uh, social media, um, it is Great to share the content as well. Uh, if you're out walking your dog, though, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and other podcast providers. Uh, so you can catch up with us if you are out and about and you miss the show on YouTube. And uh, also, uh, don't forget the pool night, Friday the 6th of August, creeping up slowly but surely, uh, about a month away now, raising funds for NUFC fans. Food Bank will be talking a lot about that. Uh, over the next couple of weeks and just reminding you on about that date. And uh, don't forget as well, I am having a day off tomorrow and I'm sure most people will be as well because it is England versus the Ukraine. Uh, but I did manage to get a, a, a an interesting chat in with Disco Dave. I'm not saying anything more about Disco Dave, um, but... It's not the interview you're expecting. So uh, get yourself on to that tomorrow. Uh, that will be on tomorrow afternoon at three o'clock. Okay, a lot to cram in, as always, into the uh, the next uh, 45 minutes. Uh, so we will start with the one that's going to take the longest. Yeah, Steve's laughing already. You lot, I'm getting some hammer. I'm hoping there's not loads more of me, but I, I have a feeling there might be. Well, there is a few. And I mean, some people have gone off on a bit of a tangent. Um, some people have some, some people have sent multiple ones. Um, some people some people have had to uh, really edit them, etc. I did like this one. Um, this one was, was sent late on. Um, and that is uh, John Gibson and Victor Meldrew. Oh, <laughs> and uh, Liam Kennedy and Harry Kane, which of course has been done before, but the you get extra, you get a good point there, Jacob, for uh, John Gibson and Victor Meldrew. I thought that was uh, that was pretty good, uh, to be honest. Um, this one was from Doctor Squat Pump. <laughs> Look, the lady of the week who wore it better, of course, uh, Nicholas Cage and uh, Jack Grealish. That's a, that's again, pretty pretty good. Uh, we've got this one sent by Stu. Now, Stu's on a bit of a run. 
Um, he says, Marouan Fellaini and Screech from Saved by the Bell. Yeah, yeah I can see right. that one. Um, this one's slightly less complimentary. Uh, Eric Gates and the Elephant Man. I'm seeing nothing. Uh, he then gives us this one. Ida Good Johnson and the Guinea Pig. <laughs> Rude Van Nistelrooy and a Horse. Yeah. I, so you can see he, he, he was he was sitting up all night with these uh, Olivia Giroud and Ryland Clark. That's a good one. That that is a good one. That's uh, a good one. Yeah. Then he reverted back to type. Uh, Peter Reed. <laughs> Simple but effective, and we haven't had that one recently. Um, so, so, so well done, Stu. Edwin Van der Sar and a mouse. <laughs> I know where he's coming from. I can see how me. I tell you, tell you what, I want some of his prescription. Uh, that would be fantastic. Well, right? yeah, he finally, yeah. Fell, he finally fell off the map with this one. Mick McCarthy and a banana. And a banana. <laughs> Stu, thanks for your efforts. Thanks for your efforts. I, I was impressed. Thank you for your efforts. Uh, this one was from Jennings. Um, now, this is a football documentary that I did about the uh, the Newcastle football hooligan firm many, many years ago, inside Newcastle's football hooligan firm. And he says, that looks like Mike Ashley on the left and Mitch on the right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have seen that. I have seen that comparison with Mike Ashley on more than one occasion. So thank you for uh, sending that in. Uh, this one was on Instagram. Um, I, you know, this was a bit of a strange one, actually. Steve and Mitch together. Mitch, Mitch is a um, Mitch in his swimming trunks, aka the wrestler. I'm not sure who Steve is at the top there, and then Mitch and Steve together at the bottom. Presume they're just wrestlers, lads. But uh, that yeah, was on... it's, it's. I know the one that he's comparing to. It was Ric Flair. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. Okay, well there we go. So that is uh, that is that is from JP Fantastic. on Inst from Instagram, which is great. Thank you. Um, then there was this one from Billy, which is uh, me in my latest film, and I don't know whether that's somebody from. Uh, I've got no idea who that is, but it's just somebody bald with with a similar kind of beard. It could be me. Um, <laughs> it could be it could be you. Yeah. Uh, this is from One Hundred Percent Mags. He went uh, check international Patrick Schick and YouTuber. Will any right? I, I can see that. I can see the likeness there. Yep. Um, I've got it in the neck there. This one's been done before. Hundred percent mags. Me and Gavin Peacock. Yeah. All right. right. Yep. Uh, Albert, who does like to have a bit of play around with uh, technology, spotted Mrs. Hasty walking the dog earlier. <laughs> and believe it or not, we oh. do have a Bichon as well. <laughs> Just to throw. Oh, you do. Throw that in. <laughs> we do have a Bichon. All right. Um, we have had this one on numerous occasions from Moxie Mag and that Steve Hasty on the Titanic. We have had that one, but uh, it's always worth sticking it back up because um, repetition isn't isn't too bad a thing. Um, this one was uh, well, the win the winners are classic, by the way. Lads, I'm building up Steve Hasty. This was uh, went down to Windsor at the weekend and a portrait of Steve Hasty says Tim Kent. <laughs> Very similar, very, very similar. I got sent this one uh, by Ifty, and um, this is a tune lookalike of uh, Matt Ritchie and somebody who works at Ghouls Soccer in Bradford. Yes, he sent that to me yeah. as well. He, sent that to me. He, I, I, he said, 
he actually, I'm not too sure, I don't know whether, I'm, I'm a bit of poetic license here, but I think he did go and ask the lad if he was Matt Ritchie. <laughs> oh, well, that's, well, that's fair enough. At least he asked him. I hope that's he's right. asked him if he can appear tonight on the show. Uh, this this one was from Robbo, um, which is a bit unfair considering where we are now, looking at, yeah. looking into the quarterfinals. But yeah, I can see that. I can see the likeness, and it's a similar smile. Uh, Gareth Southgate and Donkey, of course. Um, this is from NUFC Iceman, of course, who runs his own show, and he says um, he got it sent by a troll, uh, but he's been compared to the guy off Catchphrase, which. Uh, which is pretty, which is Roy pretty Walker. good. Roy, Roy Walker, Walker yeah. yeah. Does I can see where he's coming from there, mate. Um, see what you see. See what you see. I hope you, I hope you're well, mate. Uh, this is from Michael Barlow. Um, this is a lookalike. Pa, uh, Pandev and Matt Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, scra you're scraping the barrel there, but I can see exactly where he's coming from there. But with the, um, yeah, with the hair. So, um, yeah, that was that was quite good. Uh, this was another Steve Hasty one from uh, Tony. He says, Steve Hasty look-alike. He must be sick of the stupid and insulting comparisons. So here's a good one. Father Stone from the brilliant Father Ted series. Uh, it's what he meant was, here's another one. <laughs> That's what he meant. Here's, an, here's another one, yeah. Um, Steve Wraith 2 look-alike. Steve Hasty and Vigo, the wrong one from Ghostbusters 2. Yeah, me. <laughs> I like the way that you've got your pose in there, Steve, as well. Like, he's, got, he's, got, he's got the act. Brilliant. <laughs> uh, this one was Keith Patterson, um, the Scarecrow, and um, Julio Oscar Mechosa. He stars in Bad Boys. All ah, right, okay. So that was Keith Patterson. So anybody bald again, Keith? Uh, yeah, it's easy. It's it's, it's 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 an easy one to do. Um, then we have this one: Adam Sandler and Robbie Fowler from Robbie yeah. Fowler. Yeah, and see that. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is a pretty good one. Now um, I'm just going to double check because sometimes some of these get lost, and I don't want to I don't want to lose one. And uh, yes, here we go. Okay, so this was second place. The female versions oh, of the Fab Four. Oh, DRB. And, and to be honest, I got quite a bit of attention on this one, lads. They uh, they quite right? like me. They quite like me. But um, that's from the mags. Uh, the NUFC I look, mags. I look like the bloody psycho out of bloody misery. Yeah, I mean, I think you mentioned that, and I think uh, John from QTech went on to make a, a T-shirt, didn't he? I think which um, which will, which will probably put up for the food bank at some point. <laughs> Keith, what, Keith, what do you make of your female? I know you're probably getting a text from somebody important, but what do, what do you make of the? What do you make of your female equivalent there? I thought yours was prettier, and because I'm pretty in your real life, I couldn't understand how mine was a bit uglier than yours. Because yours, people were saying that they all fancied stay real as a woman. <laughs> like loads, loads of people said that, and like come yeah. forward. So I thought yours yeah. was a real, a real dolly bird. But yeah. the funny thing was, Steve Hasty didn't change. <laughs> just looked, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean that was that was funny. Mine, there was somebody, and I, I, you'll have to forgive us because I can't I can't remember who sent us this because I had to screenshot the the names, like clip them, etc. Okay, so these were these were sent by um, it was probably Albert because it looks like it's got his touch all over it. Uh, this was Keith Patterson um, as the Spice Girls, one of the Spice Girls. That's oh you yes, that's you as posh Spice. Um, you look a bit like Amy Winehouse, who's had a couple of late nights out with me. Um, oh, then there's, then there's <laughs> Mitch. Mitch, who looks like somewhat Neil from the Young Ones. I look like Neil from the Young Ones. Uh. That's Neil. Then there was me. 
I look like I've I've tried to do some electricity and put me put me finger in the plug uh, plug with the electric you, on. You wet just, me finger. Just won the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> look at that fourteen year old though. And there's Steve. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I don't know what to make of that. Steve. I don't know what to make. I really don't know what to make of that. I can't. Once you've seen it, you can't. You can't unsee it. Okay. Like, but like some sort of strange Japanese YouTuber. Women thing. It started to take a, a, a weird turn, didn't it? Yeah. It's, people suddenly start to say that the phone were attractive. That was the most worrying part for me, I must admit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this 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 isn't the winner. This was another one which I got sent late, which is, why does Tim Healy have you by the throat, Steve? And this was uh, me and, me and uh, Malcolm went down and did the... Uh, me, uh, me and Malcolm were down at the schooner with Dino this week doing the quiz, yeah. but um, the guy's like trying to tell us something. He hasn't got his hand around me now, but it does look a bit like Tim Healy. That wasn't the uh, winner, though. This was the winner... Uh, which was sent to us early last week, and it was uh, Tune Look Alikey. Fantastic. Um, Paul Gray, Grazy, well done, son. And he he's got uh, he's got Mitch, who looked obviously like the lion on the poster. Uh, looks like Keith, the Keith Lemon character, the bear. Um, so uh, well done. Oh mate. no! Oh, oh no! My tail has popped out. Oh no, my tail has popped out. Exactly. So uh, that completes this week's look like these. Make sure you send them to Keith Patterson and Mitch or to me. Don't send them to Steve Hasty because most of them are like Steve Hasty. Great stuff. Always enjoy them. And uh, as always, uh, as I say, keep them coming into us as uh, as much as you can. And um, because we've only got half an hour left and we'll probably end up wasting the rest of the show talking about the takeover, I'll just run through uh, a, a couple of other things. Don't forget, bid for the T-shirt. Got about 15 minutes left at Steve Wraith on Twitter. You can find that on there. And uh, please make a, a bid for that as quickly as you can. And as much money as we can raise for the food bank, uh, we will, you know, obviously we'll, we'll be gratefully received. So please, please do. Um, as always, we also have Tweet of the Week, uh, which we'll do now. Yeah, there were some great tweets this week. And um, as always, Steve Hasty uh, is always happy to, uh, to to run through them. So uh, in no particular order, Steve, here we go. This was the first one. This was from uh, Michael Anthony, not from uh, not the Michael Anthony. I, I think from uh, a certain certain band Van Halen that we were getting uh, <laughs> impersonated on. But uh, uh, got to say, fellas, Steve Hasty dressed as Dorothy was the most challenging. <laughs> but I got there in the end. This is where <laughs> this is where it started to drift. This is this is when I started to worry. <laughs> Look. No word of a lie. And I think Terry's response, which is, that's class, but a little bit... Uh, and he liked it as well. Now, I, um, it was scary. This is, this is where it gets into the realms of scariness, lads, really. It, honestly. it is. Okay. <laughs> right. So then we've got Billy. We've got Billy G. Finding Bigfoot team uh, up a mountain track in Indonesia looking for the mythical creatures and finding your castle fan going on walkabout. <laughs> there's, a, there's a bloke. There he is. He's got the old brown ale top on. Keith's it's not it's not the one Keith's wearing at the minute. It's the it's the same season though. But what what what's the chances of that happening? Dear me, you know that that shows you what we were famous once, you know, lads. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant, isn't Steve, it? Ab Steve, Steve. 
Steve, that reminds me of a mate of mine who did some work for an oil company. He was taken out to, to the Andes and he was flown into Peru and then taken by a helicopter somewhere else and then a light plane somewhere else. And he steps out the light plane and he's greeted by two kids in Newcastle shirts. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Back in 2007, my daughter went to, uh, she went to Ghana with the girl guys on a trip and she took a Newcastle top. And she gave it, she wanted to give it to a little kid, and the little kid went, No, no, I've already got it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic, that like. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolute classic. Okay, this is the next one. Yes, this one was uh, Chunk Soul Brother, my tribute to the great man. And there's the gloves, there's the shirt, and there's Pav's book. What a brilliant book as well. Uh, and that was a great reply to, to Gavin and to you. Um, and the rest of Newcastle fans well done well done Chunks um, brilliant brilliant yeah. shirt brilliant pair of gloves but a great book as well a great book and what we were lucky enough Steve uh, you, you're lucky enough to invite me along to the Irish Centre when uh, when Pav was signing the books uh, which was only fortnight three weeks before he passed away um, so tragically but uh, what an honour that was what an absolute honour beautiful man gentlemen Okay, uh, this one was uh, wasn't too wasn't good enough for a lookalike, but it was Albert. No, this is uh, and Albert's been the bane of our life this week, mind. Uh, thanks, Albert, you're a gent. <laughs> um, it's kind of, uh, Mitch and Mister Hasty having a break before recording NUFC matters, and there's uh, there's the, the characters from Benidorm. <laughs> we've been getting pelters, haven't we, Mitch? Aye. <laughs> and there we've got uh, from Pez. Uh, Steve Ray, Joe Linton seen sporting a new haircut. Uh, yeah, not as bad as uh, as a certain Paul Pogba's haircut was on. Uh, was it Monday night when they got knocked out? <laughs> that was there. He was doing his dance with his haircut, uh, doing everything three one up, uh, and then they went. What a shame! That's what happens when you have dodgy haircuts. And here's uh, me, Dad. Uh, it's coming home, and he got, and then Looney, the Looney Tune replied, "The only thing I want to come home is the arbitration results, so we can become you can become our owners." And I think you know what the fact that it got eight hundred and fifteen likes said said says a lot about that. <laughs> now this one's done the rounds quite a lot, hasn't it? There's uh, there's um, there's the old Scooby Doo, and uh, you pull the, you pull the mask off him, Bobby. And uh, who's behind it? Uh, Joe Linton. It's a bit cruel on that, Joe Linton, because Joe Linton did score a very, very good penalty just towards the end of the season. Far better penalty than the one Mbappe was seen. I think if that had been turned around a bit, then it would have been a winner. Yeah, Toombarmy too, though. He's, he's done it uh, this week. We've got through uh, all, the, all the tweets this week, but uh, keep them coming in. Tweets of the yeah. week. So um, anybody sees one, uh, please copy us in, as always. Uh, great to have uh, your suggestions, but thanks very much for sending them in. Yeah, keep your tweets of the week coming in and your two lookalikes. Contact me and the lads uh, on Twitter. Uh, always gratefully received. Uh, your final clue to win some NUFC Matters goodies, uh, courtesy of qtechshop.co.uk, is about to flash on the screen now. So um just, just going to recap uh, through if I can find the uh, original clues. Um, I always worry in case I miss one, but I think most of you will write them down who partake anyway. The original clue was Supermac. Yeah. 
The second clue was A. Bruce in a picture of the ground. The third clue was Irving Natras and the picture of the Tame Bridge. And tonight's clue is this. The three players in previous clues all played in the 1973-74 season. Who was club captain and club chairman in this season? Oh. So there we go. Oh. The three players in previous clues all played in the 73-74 season. Who was the club captain and the club chairman in this season? So get your, get your answers into the chat. And John will pick the winner. And that will be up to John because, as I say, we're not live tonight. This is a pre-record. So, John from QTEX, decision is final. Good luck. Hope uh, hope you yeah. win tonight, guys and girls. And uh, I will leave you in the capable hands of John. And I'm sure John will let me know who won. And we will announce that uh, next week. And uh, if Julie is watching, it is that time. Troll of the week, uh, a very simple one this week because uh, my old mate Martin from uh, Loaded Football, uh, which saw its last episode this week, Loaded Mantle is continuing, uh, sent me this. If I'm not on Troll of the Week, Steve Wraith, I'm going to come and find you. And that was because of David's uh, message, Erotic Carradine. That's an interesting name. I wonder, David Carradine, the one who used to walk across the desert, like yeah. in Kung Fu. Kung Can you fit your needy tongue any further up his rectum? <laughs> was, I presume he was talking about me, Martin. But there you go, Martin. You've made it. Um, you're not troll of the week, but your friend David Carradine, erotic Carradine, is troll of the week. There you go, Julie. I do still enjoy them, guys. Uh, there's certainly less and less uh, grief for me, but um, there's certainly uh, there's certainly still people out there who, who like to have a laugh and uh, certainly a lot of people who like to copy us in on that. But, um, yeah, great stuff, Martin. I hope you, uh, you were happy with that. Uh, okay, we've got about 20 minutes left. Um, I've yeah, got to say, I've, yeah, go on, Keith, go for it. There's somebody who's come on there. I've, I've been getting battered with messages from the club and from different people on Twitter, but... It's, there's an article going out tonight from where NUFC 360 said, Newcastle United invites the Premier League to hold the arbitration open and public. And listen to this thing. There's a guy called Nick Loff. He said, as a lawyer, I can assure you I don't allow the party I represent to make any statement like what Newcastle United did unless I know I've got a slam dunk. I've never been more optimistic for this takeover. Hashtag cans. And that's from a lawyer. So so it's not us for talking because we get criticised for saying what we do know. What we do is report what other people are saying. There's a lawyer there saying you would never give permission to his client to put such a statement out with Mike Ashley. What Mike Ashley's done, which he summarises Steve Wraith, Steve Hastie's and Mitch's comments is, he said, we've got the winning hand. And what he's saying is the only way you'll stop this going through is with foul play. So what we've got to do now is we've got to work. Us fans have got to get this case into the public. How, how could we not get the takeover by allowing the EPL to do what they're doing? It, you know, it, and, and some people might think it's optimistic 
But it's a massive, massive statement from Ashley tonight to say, look, eh, we, we want a war with you. We want this public. And that lawyer just said there, I'd never let a client do that unless I had a slam dunk. So that lawyer's saying they must have something massive to do with the arbitration, but they want this to go public. I've, I don't I've, changed, I've, I've, I've changed my name, Keith. What have you done? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I tell you what, we'll get some stick, but who cares? I tell you what, the timer, you know, you come on the show tonight and you, 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 it's the third time we've done a, a pre-record. And, and I'm sorry. I was, I, I, was, I was talking to a couple of people tonight that says, they said, oh, Steve says you're doing a pre-record. And he said, what were you talking about? I said, I'm going to clue. Because nothing's pre-recorded. When Steve said, Steve Ray said tonight, he says, I've got something here off a journalist. I thought, oh, God, another one of these things that you don't know what. You, you never get told what we're talking oh. about. There's nothing, there's nothing that's sent around amongst us. But when we come on here, the four of us, you just start talking. And, and before and that, the time always runs out. But you couldn't have made that up tonight. And I apologise for zipping off. But, I mean, it's just all played out. When people watch that and they watch the time of this programme, that we, I, I put a tweet out before that went out. I put a tweet out for 8 o'clock. Uh, before it went out on Sky, and as soon as I was announced the news after, Steve Wraith sit with it in his hand and, uh, to read it. To, to me, I'm, just, I'm I'm inside smiling and grinning. I'm thinking to myself, like when I achieved my personal goal, it was when I got the competition action into court. That's that's because that's really as much as one fan can do. You talk, you get into millions and millions of pounds there. So to get that into court, I knew I'd put the you know. The, the cat among the pigeons. I knew the shit that that would develop would be too great. But I also knew by talking to the, 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 the lawyers and the QCs that they knew that they had a good hand and they always just wanted it to go public. And, and, to, and you might say, some of you might say, well, it might still not go public. The Premier League now know tonight that Newcastle's put the gauntlet down and said, we know we win. Mm. Come clean, come clean. Let's have it on the table. If you've got nothing to hide, let's have it on the table. Because I tell you something, this takeover has to happen. It's not ifs or maybes. If it doesn't happen, there'll be an absolute travesty. But I'll tell you something. I've said to you on here, we've all four of us said it, and Liam Kenny said it. When it's all over, we'll all tell our side of the story. We'll come forward and we'll tell you what we weren't allowed to say. And, and I, I, you know, I've signed the NDA, I can't talk. But I'll tell you what, Mike Ashley multi-billionaire is going to have his say. He, he ain't losing this deal and this takeover without having his say, no matter what happens. You might have to go through a process of the arbitration, but I tell you, they turn, you. The, they turn the screw now. It's, it's ours. It's ours to get. We've got to get this done. I knew that call was serious because A, I've never seen you so quiet and B, your glasses went on. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it's, I do. It's mad. We do. Uh, I've got to own apology. We missed a lookalike here, and this was from David Billy Gibson, and I thought this was pretty good. Sorry in advance, he said. That's me as a computer like game or something. So Billy, uh, thank you for sending us that, mate. Um, it, it is pretty. It is pretty accurate. That's, good, actually. that's, good. that's really good. That one. Yeah. It was. Really. Yeah. So sorry that slipped through the that slipped through the net, and I did get sent this as well, just clearing up as well. That is um, from Dan uh, Rick Flair. And, on, Keith. And, and and Keith Patterson, yeah. So yeah, I can see that. I can see the resemblance there as well. So with Rick Flair with hair and Rick, Rick Flair without hair. And Rick, 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 Rick Flair with knee hair. Ah, it's weird. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird. Right. Okay. Last chance to get your bet. Uh, your, your 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 bids in for that, please. Please bid, 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 bid at Steve Wraith on Twitter. 
Uh, let's get uh, a decent amount in for the food bank. And uh, that's it. We'll be moving on to a new T-shirt uh, very, very soon. Big apologies to Joe Walker, Toon Tipster, um, who thought he was going to come on live this week. And again, a pre-record means he's not. And uh, let's hear what he's got to say. Okay, Ben, that's absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Ben. We've got sponsorship for our podcast. Wait till the fans hear who we've got lined up. It's the biggest sponsorship deal I've ever seen on a podcast. Beats all these skips and bins dot coms. Anyway, I'll have to go. I'll have to go. Bye, bye, bye. Hey, lads. Thanks for having me on live, Steve Hasty there, look, what a guy, everything he does for the food bank, Newcastle legend, Neil Mitchell, this is the man that's done more for Middle East and underpants sales than anybody else, Keith Patterson, there he is, what an honour it is, what a bloke, he's the only fella I know who's got a bigger cat obsession than Julie Baker, mind you, Julie's is real, and we have all seen it. Ha <laughs> ha, just kidding, Keith, lad. Stevie Wraith, there he is. Stevie, how you doing, son? Thanks for having me on, mate. I've been dying to come on live since you very first mentioned it to me. What an honour, Steve. Everything you've done for us throughout this, th th throughout this pandemic has been absolutely incredible. Where do you want me to start, then? Best match, first game I've ever been to, favourite third kit away socks, favourite Honduran to play in goal. Come on, Steve, let's have a bit of crack. Steve. Steve. Oh, you are joking. You are joking. Pre-record, hat-trick, it's never been known Anyway, if anybody is actually interested in anything I've got to say, unlike these four monkeys, can I just say what a week of football it's been. Outstanding knockout football, and I hope you'll all agree. And as you can imagine, with a lot of the big boys out, including Germany, the market has been blown wide open. Surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, I guess, England are now the favourites to win the Cup. And you know what? We can start to believe, looking at that draw, that it might be coming home. Did you hear me, Keith? We might be able to deliver on something. Anyway, if you do fancy England, they're at 13-8 to 8 to lift the pot. Spain come in at 3, Italy at 4-1, to 1, and if you fancy Belgium still... They remain at 7-1. to one. The rest of the teams are barred at 10. And if you fancy Fabian Schaar to go all the way and lift the pot, Switzerland are 33-1. to one. Ronaldo, funnily enough, even though he's at home now, probably getting a move somewhere else that he hasn't been to before, um, he remains top goal scorer because he's on five. 
If you don't fancy Ronaldo to stay there, Patrick Schick, Patrick Schick of the Czech Republic is four to one and he needs one more. Last week's favourite, Romelu Lukaku, is on three goals. So he's six to one if you fancy him to get two more. And Raheem Sterling also needs two and he is seven to one. On Saturday, England are the two to five favourites to reach the semi-finals after 90 minutes. The draw's there at seven to two. And for whatever reason, if you fancy an upset, you can get odds of 15 to two on the Ukraine. If you fancy a goal scorer bet on Saturday evening, Harry Kane is just over odds on to score. Followed by Raheem Sterling, who to be honest, I think that's where my money would go. The lad's in form, let's face it. He's seven to four. And actually, I noticed Harry Maguire causing a little bit of chaos in the opposition penalty area last week. If you fancy him to rise like a salmon and bag one for us in the 90 minutes, he's in an impressive nine to one. And I think I'll give that a shout for the food, bet, for the food bank, Mr. Hasty. Why not? Anyway, have a great weekend, everybody. I think I'll go and make a brew in a decent mug. I tried one in this thing. Got it from a bloke who just spends all day polishing his tip called Q-Tech or something. If you do fancy a proper mug, look out on other podcasts. You won't believe the sponsorship deal that's been agreed. I am so sorry, Tune Tipster. We will definitely get you on live next week, unless something else comes up, of course. But um, yeah, we'll definitely get you on live next week. Fantastic. Great stuff, as always. And as always, as as uh, Joe says, please bet responsibly. So, uh, okay, last 10 minutes. And uh, you kind of believe that that show has flown over quite as quickly again without the people in the chat. We do miss having those people there. Uh, but um, let's come to you first, Mitch, on uh, the game of the weekend. We've got a, a, a big quarterfinal, uh, Ukraine. It's, um, you know, it's out of the frying pan, really, and, and into a game we should be winning. Should be. But it's the age-old adage, isn't it? Football's not played on paper, it's played on grass. Yeah. We've got to turn up again and we've got to be able to move up that gear again. I'm sure Ukraine will be up for it. And shout out to me mate Steve Bennett, who's finally got back to the UAE from Saudi because he has a family dilemma with this one because his missus is from Ukraine. <laughs> so um, she'll be shouting them on from Kiev while he's here in Dubai. Um, so hopefully it all can be um, resolved, whatever happens. But, um, you know, um, it's, it's an opportunity to then put we in a semi-final, effectively at home. Um, and if that's not motivation enough, I don't know what is. It's a ground that um, is is as famous as Wembley in many ways. And it's one that should inspire people once you step into that arena. Um, been fortunate enough to, to watch us at that ground once and... It's a fantastic environment, fantastic place to play football. Um, again, the message has got to be to that young, relatively young squad. Just go and play and enjoy. Express yourselves, to use an overused phrase. Do what you do best. Just go and play. And, it, and you can see the influence of the older heads. And you can see now why he wanted, you know, 
Henderson and Maguire are around. You can see why he wanted them in and around the squad. Um, that anchorage of leadership um, and, and no reduced level of passion either. You, you see Henderson celebrating on the touchline. You know, when he was ready to come on as a sub, you can see that's what he wants around that squad. And and if that's the foundation on which those younger players will take a bit of confidence to say, right, let's play. We've got Sterling in top form. Kane's finally got a goal. There's a monkey off his back. Will that bring him out of his shell a little bit? You'd hope so. Um, and in all honesty, um, have Ukraine showed anything through the competition that we should be frightened of, bearing in mind who we've already played? And not really. So it's a golden opportunity, it really is. Yeah, massive opportunity, uh, Steve. Um, you, you know, you confident against the Ukraine? I am, especially after watching the uh, the game that they had in midweek against Sweden. Where, quite frankly, that 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 was probably the worst game I'd seen um, in terms of football. It was it, it. There was nothing in that game that from either team that that looked as though. Um, they had anything about them, which was disappointing. I mean, the the, the way that maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little bit biased, maybe I'm being a little bit overcritical, especially after what we'd witnessed on Monday and then what we'd witnessed on Tuesday evening with, with England and and the euphoria of the result. But um, they, they look like a team that that are well drilled, well organised, but. <sighs> I think they've. I think they've played beyond themselves. To be perfectly honest, that's the, that's what I'm looking at from from the Ukraine point of view. If I'm if I'm looking at and assessing their team, I think you know Shevchenko. He's standing there. He, he's 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 got a, a squad of really hard working footballers um, who are coming on. But I mean, dear me, that was the most stop start game that I think I've ever witnessed. And when it went extra time. And when when it looked like it was going to penalties, yeah, I was losing the will to live. I don't think I've ever been so excited for a goal going in, um, with what must have been thirty seconds to go, um, when I'd what I'd witnessed for the previous one hundred and nineteen minutes was purgatory, to be perfectly honest. Um, that like I said, they're a hardworking team. Let's see what let's see what we can do. I think I've, I've said it right at the start of the show that we are playing well within ourselves. We've barely got out of one and a half gears. There's plenty more gears for us to go go up through. Um, they they they're an Eastern European team. They play an Eastern European way, um, and I'm I'm not discrediting them in any way, shape, or form. But they've reminded me very much of of what we'd seen way, way back in European competition when we'd watched the likes of the, uh, Czechoslovakia or watched East Germany and, and Romania and teams like that in, in Bulgaria. You know, they, they reach a certain level and then they, then they tail off. Um, Russia, exactly the same. In fact, Russia probably more disappointed than of them than any any of the teams that have been in the championship so far. And, and I think that England have the most brilliant opportunity and I think we'll take that opportunity as Neil says, playing in a great stadium, playing in front of what will be possibly a hostile crowd, but I don't think that will bother us. Um, the, the fans are well away from the pitch anyway, where we are in the Stadio Olimpico. Um, and semi-final and then potentially a final, both at home. That's what we're playing for. 
it's very rare that we've had this opportunity to say that uh, in a long, long time, and certainly not in the Euros. I mean, this is this is. I think this is the furthest we've ever got yeah. a quarter final. I don't think we've ever ever won a game um, in anything other than a qualifying round uh, ever. So that in itself tells you that we've got something to to go for. And uh, my money's on Sterling, I think. But Kane, uh, I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, as Mitch says, the monkey's not just on his back, but I think we'll see a totally different Harry Kane. I think we've got players that have been trying desperately to play him in with a with an anxiety. Now we're going to have Harry Kane being played in when Harry Kane, where he wants the ball to be. Um, it's going to be interesting what he does on the back three, back five, whether he goes for a four, what he does with his midfield. There are very few players, I must say, in that on the performance of the other night that you would think that places would be in jeopardy. Um, even when you look at the bench, that's the, that's going to be the difficulty. But what we've got is we've got a squad of players who no matter who plays, there's nobody going to take the huff if they're dropped. That's what that's what I'm looking at this squad about. I'm thinking. This is a, there's a togetherness, and if Saka's not playing and he brings Foden back in or he brings Mount back in, I don't think it'll bother Saka. I, I don't think it'll bother Mount if he ends up back on the bench, etc., etc., because that's what he's managed to build this sort of team camaraderie, this togetherness. Yeah. And, and we saw it with, with Grealish when he didn't get selected, but he came on and played as though he'd started the game. And, and when he was getting pelters for including the, the not selected players. In the teams in the pre in the pre tournament friendlies, yeah. that's what he was doing. He was keeping the group together. That's right. He was yeah. he wasn't singling people out. He was getting people used to being around it and keeping everybody involved and invested in the whole thing. Yeah, and that that now is paying off. Yes, and he's got us invested in it. You know, we are Aye. invested in this game now. That's important. We are invested invested on Saturday. Hopefully, we're invested on Wednesday night, and hopefully, invested in the following Sunday. But Keep we'll know by next week. Hopefully, when we're back on, we'll be talking about the final because we'll have missed the semis. <laughs> yeah, you're right, Keith. I mean, it's a it's a huge game coming up on uh, Saturday. Uh, Ukraine is it a game we can win? It's a massive game. Um, yes, I think we'll win it. Um, I think we've got to if we if we continue. If you saw the atmosphere of the players when they won and saw the euphoria of getting through that last game against Germany, uh, we've got to start where we finished because we started so flat against Germany. And if we'd come home after that first half performance, there would be a lot of resentment to Southgate and to the players. And I think they've got to do themselves justice. So I think yeah. we've got to start where we finished. Um, I think that the key players will be Sterling and Kane, even though they've taken a lot of stick. I just think that the, you know, I, th I think Sterling has got it. I think Grealish does do things that others don't do. He seems to have that X factor at times when, you know, the people... Maybe he's don't expect it. I wouldn't be rushing the mounts and them back in. I, I would, I would, I would come from where we finished. Um, I think, I think that we'll win the game. I think we'll win a three-one. I think Sterling Kane will score. Um, if we do get through, I don't think the Czechs, if they get past Denmark, will be as easy next time round. But for me tonight, uh, Friday night, and you've got your your twenty-four hours off England playing. Um, I would just say to you, when you hear the words, it's coming home, it means the takeover as well. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, new Food Bank t-shirt is this one, um, just to commemorate. Obviously, Supermax still the only uh, 
England number nine to score five goals in one game. Uh, NUFC matters legend with Super Mac walking off the pitch after that amazing day. So uh, that is going to be the new Food Bank T-shirt that will go up uh, on Friday night. Uh, get your bids in. All proceeds, of course, go to the Food Bank. Lads, what a great two hours that was. Unbelievable. So let's, uh, <laughs> let's see where the next seven days takes us and uh, have a good week and uh, enjoy, enjoy the England game on Saturday, boys. And you, Steve. And you, mate. Take, take care, lads. Take care, lads, everyone. Come on the takeover. <laughs>